Well, I'm going to speak to you from Acts chapter 3. So if you'd like to turn to that, we're going to kind of work our way through that passage. And uh, we're asking the question, well, what was the early church like? Well, guys, it's like Jubilee. That's what I'm going for. What was the early church like? Well, they lived in the power of the Spirit. That's what I want to talk about today. I'm going to come on to talk about healing. I'm going to look at the passage with you briefly. I'm going to do it quite quickly. And then I want to come on to talk about healing. I want to talk about that today. Um, So they lived in the power of the Spirit. And what that meant is this fairly ordinary day in the life of an early church leader, here's what happens. Verse 1, Peter and John were going to the temple to pray, and it was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. This was just part of their regular routine. They would go at 9 o'clock, they'd go at 12 o'clock, they'd go at 3 o'clock. That was their habit, that they would go to the temple and pray. And they came across another very common occurrence as they got to the temple steps. It says here, there was a man, verse 2, who was lame from birth, being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. You see, needy people were brought to the place of God's people. They were brought into the proximity of the temple of God, his dwelling place. And they were laid out, waiting. I don't know, what were they waiting for? But there was a a sense that they were waiting for the provision of the people of God. I just want you to see that picture as, as we sort of look at this today. They were waiting. And the worshippers didn't mind that there were people begging at the temple because actually they thought this was part of their worship. They thought it was part of their worship to give to the poor and that they would gain the favor of God. So it was all good. But there was these people waiting on the steps. And there was nothing unusual about this. It was just another ordinary day in the life of a member of the early church. But get this. The opportunity for the extraordinary comes in the ordinary. It comes in the ordinary As we go about our daily lives in the power of the Spirit, that's where the opportunity for the extraordinary comes. Verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Well, Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. I love that. I don't know what it was, but something stopped them on this ordinary day and this normal occurrence of people being laid out to beg for money. What was it that stopped Peter in his tracks? Peter, it says, looked straight at him. Now, I don't know about you, but it's not something I generally do. When somebody on the street asks for money, maybe it's just me, but more likely I mumble about how I don't have any cash Or I shuffle awkwardly, I look away feeling conflicted and embarrassed, but not Peter. Peter looked at the man and told him to look at them. Look at us, he said. Why? I don't know. But immediately the effect of that command from Peter was to lift the man's head. (laughs) The beggar lifted his head. And to me, there's something about restored dignity there right away. 
You know, beggars in the street who've been there all their lives, they don't lift their heads. They won't look you in the eye. There's just too much shame. Too much shame. And not only was the man's head raised, but Peter also raised the man's expectations. It says that he expected to get something from them. And you know, that line has really impacted me as I've been looking at that passage this week. He expected to get something from them. And the more I thought about it, the more I think that this is right. Broken people, damaged people, people that have no hope, they've got the right to expect something from us. They have. They've got the right to expect something. They've got the right to call upon the church because of who we are and what we've got. They've got the right to it. (laughs) Now, obviously, what the man wanted was money. That's what he expected, and that's what he thought he needed. But Peter didn't have any money for him. Well, that's encouraging. I never have any change on me either, Peter. Perhaps he forgot his wallet or, you know, maybe hadn't been to the cash point yet. But no, it wasn't that. He had something very different for the lame man on the street on that ordinary day. Verse 6, Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, but this is what I have, and I give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. He says, I don't have any money. But, you know, I don't think Peter meant that literally. He wasn't so poor. It was more of a statement about something that he did have for the man that was so much better. Something better than money. He commanded him, in the name of Jesus, that means literally by the authority of Jesus. And actually a similar formula was used in ancient magic. (laughs) But that didn't make Peter's phrase into a magic formula because he spoke from a place within that name, seated in Christ, an ambassador, a rightful user (laughs) of that name knowing who he was, knowing what he got. He spoke from a place of occupation, not incantation. Are you occupied in that place? Do you know your right to speak, to be, to act, to be in the name of Jesus, to live out of the name, out of the good of that name, out of the overflow of that name, so that when you say, in the name of Jesus, you're speaking from that place of occupation, that place of confidence, seated with Christ. And then Peter took him by the hand. His invitation, the command was accompanied by an outstretched hand and the power of God was released and immediately the man's feet and ankles were impacted and he became strong. He jumped to his feet, began to walk and to leap and all kinds of things. And Peter didn't give him money, which would have been the thoughtless solution of an ordinary day. Just pay the man and make the problem go away. But Peter's solution went to the causal root (laughs) of the man's poverty, his health, his inability to work. And this meant that not only were the man's physical needs met, but his dignity was restored. And I love that about Jesus. From that moment, you see, the man wouldn't need his friends to carry him to the temple steps to beg anymore. He was going to stand on his own two feet and provide for his family because the gospel goes further than surface problems. 
It goes deeper. It gets to the root of things so that we are transformed by the power of God from the inside out. Anybody need any root issues dealing with? Jesus deals with those. He deals with the motivations of our hearts. He deals with our backgrounds. He deals with the things that make the surface things our problem. Verse 8, then he went into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So what was the early church like? Well, this was just another ordinary day. And they lived by the power of the Holy Spirit and continued the miracle works of Jesus in the authority of his name. And why should it be any different today? Why should it be? Why should it be any different today? And I think the key phrase, the thing that really stands out for me in this passage is, such as I have, I give to you. I know what I don't have to give to you, but I do know what I do have to give to you such as I have. It's about knowing what we have and what we don't have. And the story, I put this up on Facebook, got some interesting responses this week. Um, But the story is told of the theologian Thomas Aquinas. He once called on Pope Innocent II, who was counting out a large sum of money. And the Pope remarked, you see, Thomas, The church can no longer say, silver and gold have I none. And Aquinas replied, truly, holy father, but neither can she now say, rise up and walk. Wow. I mean, whether this actually happened or not, it was a sad sad indictment on the church just a thousand years on from the book of Acts. But you know, if you have all of, you know that if all that you have is money, then that's all you can give, if that's all you've got. You know, if all you have are material possessions, then those are all that you can share. If all that you have is doctors and social workers, then why would you even need a supernatural solution anyway? Sometimes it's what we have that's the problem. It stops us going after the better thing, the, 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 the root thing the bigger thing, the supernatural thing that God wants to give to us. See, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. The Spirit, as Mark was saying last week, has still been poured out. The power of God has not been diminished. And this message is about ordinary people going about their everyday lives doing extraordinary things, and that hasn't changed. It hasn't. So this is why we're still serious about praying for the sick. We believe in that. We believe in miracles and supernatural solutions to earthly problems. We cast out demons. We break strongholds. We set people free by the power of the Spirit because that's who we are and that's what we're going to do because that's who Jesus has called us to be, Jubilee. Anybody know this at all? You see, I think the problem is that the pandemic's kind of put a few things on hold. We've forgotten some things. That's who we are. That's what we're about. That's what we believe in. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His power is not diminished. (laughs) So you know all this. 
but just in case you've forgotten, or perhaps you're new, I just feel the need to remind you of something very important. For the rest of our time, I just want to remind you of something very important God said to us just before the pandemic about healing. And that the gift of healing that God's given to us to cultivate as a church. Uh, God spoke to us so clearly on, it was actually the 7th of July, 2019. Uh, I shared a prophetic word with you and I'm going to read it to you again. And I want you to hear it as if you're hearing it for the first time. And here it is. Jubilee is growing to be a healing community. There's a pool of healing here. And people are going to hear about that pool. And many will come to bathe in it and be refreshed in that pool. And some will come for a while, get healed and move on again. The burnt stones will be restored and put back into the wall and begin to function again. For the restorer of the broken walls is here. Others will come. And as they go out, they will take with them vials of healing from the pool so that healing will happen in other places too. Still others will invest their lives in digging out the pool so that the pool, which is just deep enough to paddle in at the moment, will become a well of great depth and a resource over time. So, Jubilee, look for the miracles amongst you. Expect and prepare for the miracles which will come. Talk about them, investigate them, tell others about them and be thankful and be patient too because what you've seen so far is just the beginning of all that God is about to do. 7th of July 2019, do you believe in prophecy? I don't know if you remember this but a week later uh, we were visited by Simon Holly. This was on the 14th of July, 2019. Simon Holly leads Catalyst, the network of churches that we're a part of. And he, ha- he obviously hadn't been there the week before and hadn't heard what I'd said. But he gave this as a prophetic confirmation. He says, I see the picture of an old English well with a stone wall around it, a roof on it, and a bucket that goes down. And I said, if you remember the week before, I said, I think there's waters to paddle in, but actually we're digging out a deep well here. Wow. I felt that God, he says, is calling you to continue putting that bucket down into the well of healing and bringing it back up. And it's not just physical healing I see. I see emotional healing and spiritual healing too. But he said, then, as I saw the picture zoom out, Numerous other wells were dotted around. And I felt that there's something that God is going to multiply in what he is doing here. That you're to be the center of a restoration and healing. But actually, you're also to think about how are we going to multiply this to other locations. And then the picture went underground. And what I saw was this huge reservoir of water. And actually, all that you're seeing now is just a tiny window into what God has got for you in the future. There's a huge reservoir underneath. So you are to continually be putting down that bucket again and again as fast as possible and crating and digging at other 
well stations. Well, well, well. <laughs> Wonderful. How, what do you make of that? I mean, one week after the other, the word gets immediately confirmed. There have been other confirmations too. I was just with my friend David Carr this week uh, and having coffee with him. He said, you know, I think God has given you as a church a healing ministry. There's something about healing and jubilee. I said, interesting you should say that. But I want us to take this very, very seriously. God has spoken to us and we now need to cultivate the word that he's spoken to us. Healing is the, as Tim was saying, healing is like the the entry-level miracles. Can you get that in your head? So we're just on entry-level miracles right now, but there's so much more for us. And before the pandemic, I just want to remind you, I didn't know what to do. I've driven Alison mad this week because I just want to tell you lots of stories, but I also want to make some really good points. But I've been keeping a record of the healings and the miracles that we've been seeing over the last few years. And um, there's, so, there's so many quite significant healings that we've seen as a church. And one of the early ones was baby Joshua. If you remember Joshua... He was um, inexplicably ill, and nobody knew what was wrong with him, and he was dying, and uh, seriously, seriously ill, baby in in intensive care. And and he was dramatically and inexplicably healed, and they still don't know how, what, why. They still don't have a diagnosis for it, but he was immediately healed after we prayed for him in the hospital. Quite a dramatic healing. He came out of the hospital just a couple of days later. And then we had Tom Millington, uh, who's our worship leader. Um, His broken collarbone, completely broken. It was like cracked open so you could see the two points, the two ends at the top of his skin. Uh, At a word of command, it moved back into place, welded itself together, restoring full movement within days instead of the months that he was expecting. Guys, that's here. This is Jubilee we're talking about, not somewhere in another part of the world. That was an incredible miracle. That was a creative miracle. And then a team of us went to France. And interestingly, um, we've been visiting the church there in France for a long time. And they don't ever, they've never had a miracle, never had a healing in their church. But we prayed for a young lady whose ankle was completely restored before our eyes. Right in front of our eyes, we saw this ankle restored. She was losing her ability to walk. She was only a young girl, but she had a debilitating, aging disease that was affecting her bones. Completely healed. Thank you, Jesus. A friend of Lorraine's visited from the church in London. And after prayer, her Achilles tendon was completely renewed. Anybody interested in that? Guys, I could go on. I I don't know how many miracles. We have got lots and lots of miracles that were happening just before uh, lockdown. And you must remember um, surprise coming. Surpreza. Sitoli. And he brought words to us about the God of miracles who raises the dead. He says, and I'm passing that on to you, that you will see these things here in Jubilee. Guys, we've seen miracles of deliverance, forgiveness, Depression healed. There was a testimony about that just a couple of weeks ago. 
Uh, lives changed just from people walking into our meetings in a worship evening. Somebody who has had sinus problems for five years, as she walked into worship, her sinus is completely cleared. Please get excited. <laughs> I'm not making it up. This is actually happening here today. What was the early church like? Well, it was kind of like this, but even more. And that's what we want to go after. There's some miracles that Jesus has promised us. There's more for us as Jubilee. And I want to raise your heads today. <laughs> I know you're not beggars on the, on the temple steps, but that just impacted me. Raise your heads. Raise your expectations. Because God wants to do something amongst us. But we're going to have to partner with him in faith. So I think God wants to remind us of what we've got, the calling that he's given us, that we're to be a place of healing and restoration, and for us to work with him to deepen the pool of healing that he seems to be giving to us. Uh, But I also just want to remind you of just a few more things, and then I want us to pray. Um, Because we we have been on a journey, and we've been learning some stuff about healing, and and I've told you all this before, but I'm telling you again, because I want to remind you of some of the things that God's been teaching us about healing. And the first one, this is so like no-brainer. You're going to say, oh, Rob, you don't have to go on about it again, because it's just like so obvious. But miracles come from the presence of God. We need to cultivate a love of his presence. We need to cultivate the pursuit of his presence. We need to be presence carriers as people. We need to be presence-centered as a church, because miracles, you know, there have been all kinds of debates over the years about how miracles happen. Some have said it's prayer, you've got to, and prayer is really important. Some have said, well, it's about your doctrine, and doctrine's important. Some have made it about a particular man or woman who's got this particular anointing and written books about their lives, studied it, and I've done all of those things. It's all good stuff, but we've missed the most important thing, if that's what we think it is, because it's about being connected to him. That's all it is. It's about being connected to him and it's ministering from that place, from out of the glory of his presence. Miracles come from the presence of God. And that's what I think this pool is about. The well that's being dug out. The water that's deepening is the deepening pool of his presence. It's all about his presence. Every miracle I've ever seen comes out of his presence, whether it's on the street, whether it's in your workplace, and I've seen them all, or whether it's in the church, it's always his presence. Anybody love his presence? Well, there you go. You can see miracles, because that's where they come from. That's the first thing. And the second thing we've been learning about is the importance of testimony, and I still don't understand why English people find it so difficult I think it is an English thing. We're so understated. We need to get over that because our our stories, the testimonies of our lives, even if they're partial healings or I feel better than I did, are like supernatural battery packs that we can take everywhere with us and build faith and encourage one another to believe for more. Um, Don't forget the stories. Tell them wherever you go. They'll be like vials of healing for broken people everywhere. The presence of God and powerful stories are about the supernatural culture that will deepen and make transportable the things that God is doing here. Are you up for that, telling some stories? 
It's not difficult to tell a story. Thank you, Jesus. I think the other thing we've been learning is about cultivating a heart of thankfulness for the healings that we have seen. It hit me between the eyes. This was like a major revelation for me, I don't know, a few years ago, where I learned the word sozo. And the Greek word for healing doesn't just mean physical. So I've been moaning to the Lord about the lack of physical healings in that particular period of time. And then God started to open my eyes to see that healing is about physical, spiritual, emotional, all these things, the whole package. He heals the whole person. And then I started to see all the miracles that we've seen of people's lives changed amongst us as a church. People who now have peace that didn't have peace. People that are saved that weren't saved. People that are not... uh, oppressed by demons anymore because they've been set free there are miracles everywhere you are a miracle and there isn't a single christian that can say i've never seen a miracle of healing because you are one because you've been connected to god through your salvation so i just break that lie off you i've never seen a miracle yes you have you are one if you're here today and you love jesus that is a miracle if you don't like sin anymore That's a miracle. Amen? We've also been learning to deal with the disappointment for what hasn't yet happened. Disappointment's a good thing. Because it makes you go after more. It makes you fight for it. It makes you say, Lord, it's not enough. We want more. We treat disappointment as if that's a disqualification. Disappointment can lead to intercession if we understand the irritation (laughs) of what disappointment needs to do in our hearts. Lord, I'm not going to accept that. Um, There's this thing, isn't there, in charismatic theology that says it's about the, the now and the not yet. And so we say, well, it's not yet then. No, it's not yet until. That's what we need to start saying, it's not yet until. It's not yet until, because there's more. It's just that we give up on that, oh, it's not happened yet. But it's not yet until God does it, until that person is saved, until that person is healed, until there's a change that takes place, until a miracle happens, until they confess that Jesus is Lord, until, 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 not yet until. Let's conquer and overcome our disappointment and go into the not yet until. I think that's a revelation. Not yet until. We need to deal with disappointments for the things that we haven't yet seen and keep asking for them. So I often say to people, people particularly that have been ill for a long time, that's okay, we'll pray every week if you want to. Would you mind if I tried it out on you? Because I'm learning how to pray for the sick and I don't mind praying for you every week, even if it's just a quick one as you go by. Pray every week. Let's keep praying. Let's keep asking. Not yet until. I'm not going to let you go until. I'm going to wrestle with God until. Amen? Oh, that's a good one, Rob. I think the other thing I've been learning is about asking for something completely different. 
So often when I prayed with people, especially if they've been prayed for many times, uh, they can be some of the hardest people to pray for. Um, even Because even some of our own prayers have hindered them. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've been prayed for so many times and I still haven't had a healing. I still haven't had a breakthrough. So praying for people who are feeling like that is actually quite hard work. Um, the lady who with back problems I talked to at the end of a conference I, I was at was an excruciating pain and she had been for such a long time. Uh, slip disc or three. And uh, she'd been prayed for so many times you could just see the look of resignation as she came forward yet again when there was a call for healing. But she still kept coming. I love that. (laughs) So I just took her to one side and led her through the steps of recalling the miracles that she'd seen before which she'd not recognized yet leading her to give thanks for those miracles that she'd personally experienced. I reminded her that all the prayers that ever been prayed are kept in a golden bowl in heaven. Those are called the prayers of the saints. Did you know that? So I said, I'm, not gonna add, I'm just going to add to those prayers. So if anything happens today, it's because I've added to them. And then I said, but I'm not going to pray for your healing. Because I was saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And he says, don't pray for a healing. I said, I'm not going to pray for your healing. I'm not going to pray for the pain to go because that hasn't worked. Be honest. And that's because healing isn't what you need anyway. I said, I think you need some new discs in your back, don't you? That's not a healing. That's a miracle. (laughs) You need new discs in your back. And so what we need is for your spine to open out now. And as I said these words, the Holy Spirit came upon her and allow these new desks to be inserted in. And as I said it, the Holy Spirit bent her over. And she was like this, a tall lady, and she was almost with her nose on the floor. Now, she wasn't able to bend. So she wasn't able to do that. That was the first thing. And then she said it felt like things were being forced into her back, which we assume are new discs. And then as, um, I mean, I didn't even pray for her. I just declared that, new discs. And then she ponged up, pyong, like that, back up, and started jumping around and saying the pain was gone. <sighs> There's another man who came to our church and, uh, from, Broms, from Bromsgrove, and uh, she, he came in a wheelchair, and at the end he came forward and asked for prayer for healing. And I was just about to just go, yes, in Jesus' name, get up and walk, or something like that. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, no, don't do that, ask him what he wants. Oh, yeah. Ask him what he wants. Because people in wheelchairs get put upon wherever they go in charismatic churches. So I said, oh, um, well, what do you want? He said, what do you mean, what do I want? Isn't it obvious? I'm in a chair, you know, whatever. And he said, you know, you're the first person to ever ask me that. So I said, well, what is it you want? He said, well, my back hurts sitting in this chair. It would be nice if my back didn't hurt. Oh, my goodness, guys. Ask for something different. Ask for something. Ask them what they want. We prayed for him, and and he said he felt warmth go down his back, and the pain was eased, and I don't know the end of that story because he hasn't visited again. But 
just wanted to share that lesson with you. Don't assume. And be led by the Holy Spirit because he'll tell you to do some unusual things from time to time. There are no formulas for healing except for one. What is it? Follow the Holy Spirit. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Because under his leading, I found myself asking for new body parts, commanding veins to grow. You've heard that story. Asking for DNA to be reprogrammed. That was a cool one. For new neural pathways to develop. Somebody with mental health issues and so on. And I just felt like I needed to share all this with you. It's not your tidiest preach. But I just felt like God wanted to remind you of who you are, Jubilee, and what, what you're carrying. You're a pool of healing. That's what he says about us. We're called to be a pool of healing. And what um, Tim was saying earlier about, you know, when people start hearing about healings breaking out, they're going to be queuing up to come. Well, great. Amazing. But that's what we need to happen. We need people who don't even know Jesus yet to be saying, please, I've got no help elsewhere. Will you pray for me? I think Jesus just wants to remind us of what we've got. And, and I think we need to go back to what he said to us and deepen that pool together. Because we want to make it a well. And I, and I felt like the word I brought, which is like waters to paddle in, Simon corrected me on the week after. No, no, it's a deep well. Or either that's a progression or it's what it could remain as. Or actually, no, God's saying, no, it's more than you realize. And I, I think it's that. I think we've got more than we know. What do you think? Do you agree? And do you know, people have, going back to the sermon, <laughs> the five-minute one at the beginning, uh, people do have the right to expect something from us as Christians, as believers, you know, these disciples were ordinary men. I know they were trained by Jesus, but so are we by the Holy Spirit. Disciples were ordinary men going about their daily business in the power of the Spirit. So what's your expectation for you? Tomorrow, when you go to work, what's your expectation? What lame people can you see that need restoring? In your workplace, in your life, in your neighborhood. Is there someone that you need to give your attention to? Somebody that just grabs your attention? Just like at the beginning, this lady here, Rose, she just grabbed my attention. I felt like God wanted to speak to her, wanted to encourage her. Who's grabbing your attention? And so I just want to, I don't know how to respond now, other than I just feel like we need to make her, make her circle. If <laughs> I don't know how to do that in here. But I feel like we need to connect with one another. And if you're comfortable with that, just put your hand on the person next to you, maybe. But I feel like we, we actually need to make a bit of a pool, a look of a pool. And maybe do lots of pools. I don't know, maybe get into threes. But only if you're comfortable. But can we stand together so it would be easier? And one, before you start thinking, what on earth is he doing? Yeah, I know, it's Rob. <laughs> I just, I just want to pray that God fills the pool. Because I think we've forgotten. 
We've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten what God's called us to do. I want to ask him to fill the pool again. And then I just want us to pray for some people who are sick. So if you're not, feeling, if you're not sick in any way, any of those descriptions, body, mind, soul, spirit, doesn't matter which one, Jesus does them all. We're going to pray for you today. I'm not going to do it. We are going to do it because we're Jubilee. And God's called us to do this, to pray for the sick, to see healing happen everywhere.